Welcome to Allie and Pacero's podcast with our friend James Ball running in House District 36, Southwest Portland. Correct. The reddest. Bluest. District. The reddest district in the state <laughs> with you running in it. Another slow week, you know, nothing going on. Amy Coney Barrett, which is hard to say because it's A M and then N. So that's why everybody calls her A C B. Yep. Um, doing her interview in front of uh, the United States Senate. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the riots in Portland continuing. We're going to talk about Hunter Biden. I think Jimmy's got to take on Hunter Biden, but let's start off with uh, let's start off with Amy Amy Coney Barrett. Uh, watched as much of it as I could. I thought she did an amazing job. Ex- certainly exceeded my expectations. I thought she was calm under fire. I think the Democrats were scripted to try to get her on the record about saying some things that might be incriminating. I think she dodged all of that. Uh, I thought she did an excellent job. And the, the surprise of the show for me was also Lindsey Graham. I thought he conducted the, the sessions very, very well, even-handed. Um, as chairman of an event like that, when I was doing it for the uh, Oregon Republican Party, somebody reminded me the minority gets to express their opinion, but the majority rules. And I think he did a, a really good job of uh, of doing that. So I got a question. What do you think is the purpose of these hearings? I mean, I know you have to do it as part of the constitutional requirement of the Senate confirming the the um, the justice. But we know how the vote's going to go. It's gonna, the Republicans are going to vote yes. The Democrats are going to vote no. The Democrats are trying to get her on record saying something that they can use later. Is that it? Are we just are we just going through this dog and pony show to try and get her to say something and she's trying to deflect as much as she can? Is this, is that really what I, I mean? think so. I, I think okay. they they could have just crammed it through. In fact, there was some discussion about just skipping the hearings altogether and just go straight to a Senate vote. Um in the Kabuki theater of DC politics, I think this is the <laughs> attempt by the Republicans to make it appear that they're going through a process and to maybe mollify some of the people that think they're short-circuiting the uh, the system. Jimmy? Well, I, the hearings were, were, were better than that to me because, because there wasn't a lot at stake and there wasn't some personality issue. Um, I thought the hearings were really interesting because the senators got a chance to actually give political speeches about things they really care about. And of Sheldon Whitehouse of Rhode Island spoke on an issue that I care about a lot, which was the Janus decision and how it evolved and how it went from a to to the one that tied uh, Friedrich um, to Janus, which is the one about which is the case about whether you, uh, state union employees and county union employees have to mandate you know mandated that they pay a thousand dollars in dues to the political machine which our former host Mark Abrams helped run. And so White House went through Janus and the 15 minutes of it and how uh, organizations like the Bradley Foundation and the Freedom Foundation, which which are we're friends of the Freedom Foundation, um, how they um, orchestrated this to get this decision and how, they, and how certain uh, Supreme Court justices like Scalia sent signals 
to these groups that White House thought were sh- that are accused of being shadowy uh, to help orchestrate the cases that would come through to and of course Scalia died in the middle of this process of five years of 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 getting Janice and so when he was done Ted Cruz corrected everything he said and reminded White House that he was head of a bunch of uh, are related to a bunch of shadowy liberal groups who raise a bunch of money. And I think uh, White House is like over a million dollars in one group to to fight for justices on the left. And it really reminded him. And, and Cruz said in his speech, he said, you know, uh, why, you know, why the court's important is things like school choice, which is my number one issue. And he said, and it's also my number one issue. And so I, we learned a lot about their in- intentions. And then White House said in another hearing, another moment in the court, he said, Hey, uh, we're going to ram a bunch of stuff like court packing through and, and, and new states and the electoral college and all this. And we're just going to basically, when we win everything, we are going to ram it up your ass and you're not going to be able to say anything. We don't, we're not even going to listen to you. We don't, we're not going to care what you say. I think we just got the restricted, explicit, explicit. Yeah. I'm not sure if that's allowed. I think it was, I think ass is okay. It was the modifier to ass that was the thing. Oh, ram it. Oh, I see. Okay. But, but, but I mean, that was really, uh, that's where our politics are. And so it was, you know, first of all, a lot of intelligent people on the Judiciary Committee, but that's that's the so state of our politics. You have opened up many cans of worms mm-hmm. here. One is court packing, mm-hmm. which Biden in his town hall again refused to say that it was off the table. Right. And he's pretty much signaling, wink, wink, we're going to do it. Right. Was very evasive about, right. well, I don't want to take the focus off mm-hmm. of this. I, you know, we really shouldn't talk about that. It's like, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, Biden almost had my vote. Like I was really? this close to voting for Biden until he may, until he wouldn't answer that question. Yeah. He's going to pack the court, and I I voted Joe Jorgensen. So mm-hmm. that's the libertarian, um, the libertarian. So you yeah. were going to vote if you're not voting for the Republican, you were going to vote for the Democrat. And you I can't, I can't flopped vote over Trump. to the libertarian. I can't, I could not bring myself to vote for Trump. <laughs> I was almost that close to voting for Biden, and then he like I, that. I wonder if that is a a mistake on his part because I I can't believe that I'm the only person who thinks that the. Supreme Court should stay exactly how it is. And if you can't win those battles to put a Supreme Court on the justice, you know, play better next time. They have a sign in their war room that says that in 2016, they, they, didn't, they didn't win because the liberal activists didn't come out. And that's, and that, that's their oh. sign. And it's like, never forget why we lost 2016. We didn't lose it because of Donald Trump appealed to deplorables and we insulted them or yeah. anything else. We lost it because our liberal activists did not turn out because Hillary didn't have a good personality. So I'd imagine some of our listeners do not understand what court packing mm-hmm. means. And I'll, I'll try to give a little bit of an overview. It would be to increase the number of justices from nine to some other number. Probably 13. And you, there's many different mechanisms. When Roosevelt tried to do it, the mechanism was once you hit 70, you retire and then mm-hmm. you're replaced. Um, they've been talking about 20 year terms, something like that. Uh, but well, they what they would add four justices. What they would do is just add four yeah. justices, yeah. right? Yeah. And then, so then you'd go from six, three conservative to, to nine, six liberal. Yes. I mean, or, or seven, seven, six, six, six liberal. Yeah. Yeah. Seven, yeah. And I'm like Biden. I can't do math all of a sudden. <laughs> and the, uh, the upshot, uh, from the other side is then whoever takes over is just going to pack the court to the level that they need to pack it to. I, I guess another thing is it appears that 
if Congress can increase the number, they can certainly decrease the number. Mm-hmm. And then you could come up with some, well, we'll decrease the number from uh, 13 back to 9, and it's the last justices named that are ones that are cut off. Or, you know, all the justices that wear brown shoes are cut off or once, whatever. Once you start messing with the number, you... Every yeah, every time the control switches, you're going to change the number again. It opens this can of worms, and there is no end, and it makes the Supreme Court basically irrelevant. Yeah, and it's this is really like one of those one of those events where you have the what the two cars like in the movie Footloose, where you know they get the two tractors and they yeah. race at each other, and who's going to bail out before we crash and blow everything up, or a, or a gun duel, you know. And so, I mean, it really. I had some a friend of mine was saying, well, it really does mean the end of the republic if they do it. And and it's so it is so ominous, and yet there's nothing that the Republicans really can do but say, okay, right. But what what can we do? No, if the Republican that there if was we lose that, the election, there was that letter written by uh, the liberal uh, faculty at Notre Dame mm-hmm. to Amy Coney Barrett, please withdraw your name from nomination, mm-hmm. and it was please withdraw your name from nomination. And, of course, you wouldn't get nominated by the next president. So, geez, that's too bad. You're just not going to be a Supreme Court justice. Right. And it, it it just doesn't make any sense. I mean, the Democrats, if the roles were reversed, the Democrats would be doing exactly the same thing. There's no question and in my mind. And the Republicans mind. would be doing the exact same <clears throat> yeah. thing. So, Like, that's the state of politics in 2020. And I, I think that's ex- exactly where we are. Well, we're going to take a break. We'll come back in a minute. This is Ali and Pissero. Today's podcast is brought to you by ProLift Garage Doors. ProLift is your one-stop shop for residential and small commercial garage doors from openers, springs, and rollers to full reinstalls. They offer same-day service and all garage door repairs with no extra charge for evenings or weekends. Serving the greater Portland metro area, call today and set up your free estimate at 503-558-6349 or at proliftdoors.com slash portland. Again, that's 503-558-6349 or proliftdoors.com slash portland. Welcome back to Alley and Pacero with James Ball, House District 36. By the way, how's it going? It's going fine. I mean, this is a very democratic are you, district. Are you collecting ballots? Are you are you out <laughs> harvesting? 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 I am not harvesting ballots. You're not. I'll, I'll no. bring. Oh, you can have mine. I'll bring yeah. it to you. I oh, think thanks. you should. I I don't have the time or energy to go out and <laughs> See, drive around Portland. That's, that's, that's the, the Republican. That's the problem. <laughs> that's the problem. You You've got a business payroll. to run. You got you got all kinds of things. This is why wife. Janice was good yeah. and White House was wrong. So. Another thing that happened this week, aside from town halls and lots of other things, the the president miraculously recovering from the COVID, as people are now referring to it. And he's got lots of hats to throw to the audience. Is uh, there was a huge dust up from our perspective, I think, on Facebook and Twitter about Hunter Biden and some emails that were sent, I think, published by the New York Post where Facebook and Twitter actually blocked the link to this report. And I think it's it's the most egregious kind of overreach that I've seen, blatant overreach that I've seen by Facebook and Twitter, that my view on this has always been is that Facebook and Twitter are a wire. That's like this. All they should do is transmit this to there, and that's it. And then let 
the regulatory people worry about, you know, um, child pornography on it and that sort of thing, just like you regulate the internet. It's just an, it's just an app that runs on the internet. It's not supposed to be an arbiter of good versus evil, Republican versus Democrat. Uh, but it, it came out this week and they, they really came down hard. And 90% of tech executives have sent money to the Democrats. It, so it's something like I, I 90, 90 10. Yeah, that's Probably. what they're reporting. Yeah. So, but, but before we, you know, get to to that part of it. I mean, we probably should explain because it's still a little murky in everybody's mind. Uh, to, Hunter so, Biden is go- doing a lot of cocaine or something oh. and leaving computers around at repair shops. So, yeah, that's <laughs> that's, that's <laughs> the story. Yeah, the story is that Hunter Biden dropped his laptop off for repair at some shop in Delaware and forgot to pick it back up, and then the guy who goes doing the the repair goes through it and finds all these emails that are smoking guns for all sorts of nefarious activity involving Burisma and and whatnot in China in China right and to me this this is too perfect right it is too perfect that this comes out in October before the election it's too perfect that like yeah. of course Giuliani's involved it, yeah of course you, uh, you don't i mean <clears throat> the chance of someone of that high rank or that status dropping off a laptop for repair and then forgetting to pick it up is astronomical. And then the guy like poking through it to try and find stuff. I mean, you, you don't just find things on a laptop. You have to like <laughs> go in. I mean, this is a huge breach of privacy to go into this, to, to go into a laptop that you have for repair and try to find stuff. And the fact that he found something on. <laughs> Hunter Biden's computer waited until a, a week before the election or three weeks before the election. And it just, Rudy. it just, it, yeah. It, and right? calls Giuliani. Like there are so many improbable events that led up to this. It seems, it smells like a hoax to me. Now, now the Washington it smells re- like a hoax. Now, the so maybe it'll come out as The Washington possible. Post, the head of fake news, is reporting that of these emails, some of them are identified, but the really bad ones aren't, don't have any identification on them. Sure. Is that, is, I have, I mean, and also like, who keeps emails on their computer? They're on Gmail or they're on some online server, right? I mean, do you no? Do you keep emails on your computer? Yes, <laughs> yes. Okay, okay, no. fine. Okay. Um, it, see, it goes back to when uh, you couldn't get internet on an airplane. Oh, so you, you know, back when before <laughs> before internet was available on airplanes, so I had to have them all. So okay. that I could, so that I could do it, and then you'd you'd answer your emails, and you'd get off, go find a landline, plug in. I, so, sta- I stand correct. Beam so them these, up. So these really, I, I walk I walk in the park with two people who watch a lot of news. They're retired, watch a lot of Fox News, and they and they were telling me they've been filling me in on it. But Alan, I mean, I don't know how much how how you know up to speed you are on it but as they're reporting it basically these emails are, are saying that like you know the the big guy gets 10 percent of the right the, so they went to china the air force two and they and and mark abrams denied this but the story originally was reported that they went to china and and hunter came back with a billion dollar company and in that in those emails now in the smoking gun it's like the big guy gets 10 percent and his wife gets his wife gets another 10 percent right and, and so and then they have these payments and then and the response from the Biden campaign was, look, he just gave us 2017 taxes for all the world to see. Donald Trump didn't. And if he and if you look at that, there's no there's no 
income there from a Chinese government, you know, through Hunter to him. And the, and the, and the person from, you know, Fox said, are you, well, that would be really ridiculous that you would actually, why would list, you report on your statement there? But if it is true. Yeah. The drug dealer rolling around in a, in a Rolls Royce is also probably reports zero income. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> if, if it is true, then, then it's breathtaking. The corruption of the Biden family. So, Alan, where, I think, where are you on this? So, where I am is the, the things that are sort of irrefutable are Hunter Biden was on the Burisma board. He was paid $50,000 a month, roughly, to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, $50,000. And he was on the Amtrak board. <clears throat> but yes, but $50,000 for somebody who has no experience in energy, uh, to get on a large corporate board like that doesn't speak the language. Yeah, doesn't speak the language. Right. It's it's like your your okay. thing about it being improbable. Yeah, but but well, so no, it like, just doesn't add. But there's up. no direct <clears throat> thing to him and the and the, in this case the Barisma board. I mean, that's just sort of family name and inf- you know influence corruption versus yeah. the idea that he went to China, got a billion dollars, and right. all of a well, sudden they rent. Let me so back is, up. Okay. So I'm, I'm I'm just starting with the things that, that I that I think have a really really high stink. percentage chance of being, being true, true. Okay, right. Um, so that's very improbable, and the only reason you'd get that is your dad's the vice president. Exactly, and, and then. Joe makes some references, uh, Vice President Biden makes some references to dealings in the Ukraine. Um, that just stinks. Right. What Biden says over and over again, he didn't do anything illegal. Right. It's like, yeah, yeah right. Well, and, and that he didn't know anything. It's the difference between legal corruption and illegal corruption. Is in that, that's the distinction in my mind. Like, do you get, do you get named to a board of a company in a in a country that you don't speak the language and you have no background in that industry? And your name, if if your name is no. not Hunter Biden, so George W. Like, Bush. No, let's back up for a second. George W. Bush. Um, they want to build a new ballpark in the early nineties in Dallas, Texas. And George W. Bush's dad is the vice president of the United States. I probably put this deal was probably put together in the late eighties. And so they said, you know, he would really help us fundraise. He would really be a great community source. And so they cut him a share of the club to do the new ballpark and it was twenty million dollars. Right. Now that's all legal. Would that have been a problem if you were Vice President Bush about ready to run for president? Would I th- you I would think you worried about that? The biggest problem here is that it's the Ukraine, which is tied foreign. with Russia, okay. which then blows up and they tried to impeach Trump okay. over dealing in the Ukraine. Right. And it's like, wait a minute. Yeah. Right? They didn't try to impeach the president over George Bush getting a piece of the Texas Rangers, mm-hmm. right? That right. wasn't – it's like, yes, okay, that happened. But mm-hmm. I think it was also disclosed. Right. It was right? disclosed. Everybody yeah. right. Everybody it's, knew it's, it. It's legal corruption versus illegal corruption. Well, it, yeah. it's, it's not necessarily even in George W. Bush's – it's not necessarily even corruption. It's just it's just influence. Right. That, you know, you're just you're – just, it's just privilege. It's mm-hmm. vice presidential privilege. Yes, which is, which is a step above white privilege. Yeah, which is – Exactly. <laughs> a giant leap. It's a couple steps above. A giant <laughs> leap as <laughs> So in a perfect world and I'm and all the Bushes when he was vice president did very well in their careers. Yeah. You know, Marvin and Neil and Jeb. So getting back to Hunters, so there's this Burisma thing. Okay. So that's one thing. Then there's this payment from the wife of the mayor of Moscow. Mm-hmm. Right? Hmm. Uh, okay. 
maybe but i i maybe that's all tied up in the brisma thing where brisma can give him $50,000 a month but a a all cash payment so to speak of uh 3 million large uh is going to be is going to be more difficult so <clears throat> maybe that's the case maybe that did happen We'll continue with our conspiracy theories. <laughs> well, we're, we're, start, we get we're back starting through them. After, after the break, this is Ali Pesero's podcast. The Portland Spirit is headed to the river. Hop on board today for great views of the Portland skyline and historic Milwaukee waterfront. See our local landmarks and bridges from a unique vantage point on the river. Grab a cocktail on our outer deck while enjoying some of our delicious local cuisine. Fun for the whole family with options including lunch, brunch, dinner, and the famous Heart of Portland cruise. Tickets can be purchased at portlandspirit.com. Welcome to Conspiracy Theory Sunday. Your general (laughs) election 2020. This is Alan, Jim, and James talking about Hunter Biden. And we were just at the three-plus-million-dollar payment from the wife of the the mayor mayor of Moscow. And that payment went to to Hunter? To Hunter. Right. Right, apparently. And, you know, who... You don't read about this in the Washington Post. (laughs) (laughs) Who knows, right? It's just crazy. Can't you track this stuff down? I mean, there's got to be wire transfer, you know. Well, sure. And this is where... This is where... They're not bringing suitcases full of cash across the border. I mean, there's there's got to be records of this somewhere. No, and and the emails, you know, that are sort of documenting this... You mentioned the that there's some question about taking your laptop in to get worked on and that kind of thing. There was a guy that worked on laptops in a town that I know very well who was uh, incredibly partisan, incredibly partisan on the Republican side. There was a guy here in Lake Oswego in the, worked, with signs in his worked in a, with signs worked in his window. In a, worked in a Democratic yeah. city, a right. city that was majority Democrats. I certainly would not put it past him right. to, to do something. Go poke around <laughs> if somebody interesting brought in a laptop. There is no question that he would have done it. Now, to your point, it, it would be very, very hard to create thousands of emails that had any kind of sense about who they were sent to and timestamps and this kind of stuff. That would be very difficult to do. It would be very easy if you had a whole list of emails to insert a couple of real zingers, right? To to say, and and that wouldn't be hard at all. Just pick out the names, kind of draw the connections and then create an email and and inserted into the street. The that guy, wouldn't be in such, a, such that the big guy gets, with the big guy, the big guy getting twenty five percent. Right. Or. So it would be uh, any kind of forensic, um, you know, analyst could go through that and determine which ones were actually in the stream, mm-hmm. which ones have the right headers, which ones were actually received and transmitted, when they were received and transmitted. That's all. And, and then, oh, here's one that's just completely fabricated. Yeah, that would hmm. be that would be pretty straightforward. Can we get that done before the election? <laughs> before he becomes president, Biden. It depends upon who's interested in getting it. Yeah, done. but so here, so here you are watching Tucker Carlson. <laughs> I mean, when this broke, I, I think it was Thursday night, and watching Tucker Carlson and watching Sean Hannity, and I mean, Fox News. It's you know, it's 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 a you know, it's not like the president's been assassinated, but it's like that you know, almost that big a story. And then you 
opened the New York Times today, and the seven headlines are: Can you believe the president such a a hole? Right. And <laughs> and like and why and why suburban women hate the president, and why John Kelly thinks. Uh, the former chief of staff that he is the most flawed person ever, you know, personality and, you know, and why Ben Sass thinks it was ridiculous. I mean, these are their seven stories. And so it's like, what are you as a voter to do between those two, those two completely, um, different, uh, and this is going back to, of the story. This is going back to Alan's point from earlier. Facebook and Twitter have now blocked this story from any or any, any mention of it or decreased the number of people who can see it or something. Yeah. And, so this Facebook and Twitter need to decide, are they a wire or are they an editorialized right. newspaper? And what they're trying to do is editorialize what is posted on their site, but they also want the regulatory ability to not be regulated as a... Right. Right. So, it, so when you post something, you, your dad was in the newspaper business. Right. You are too. in the media business. Yeah. When you're responsible when for you, when you posted. write for the Oregonian, yeah. the Oregonian has editorial mm-hmm. oversight of what you do. Right. Right. Just and, like in the Oregon Transformation Newsletter. Right. We have, we have oversight on what we publish. Right. So Facebook and Twitter are now exercising some of that mm-hmm. ability. Mm-hmm. Um, this one is very upfront and in your face. Yeah. There may be more subtle versions of it going on. Mm-hmm. There are more subtle versions of it going on when people get blocked on Facebook and Twitter for certain language or certain posts or whatever. You don't know why they're making those decisions. In fact, they may have an AI engine that's making those decisions. That is not a person making those but decisions. Let's, let's get... Let's get- Let's get off the infrastructure for a second and add, try to get at the truth here because I have to vote, right? So we're sitting there and one of the, the, the two fellows I walk in the park with are saying, you know, how could a senator, vice president, have three homes worth $12 million if, <laughs> yeah. if he just made $180,000 a year or $170,000 a year? Um, so where there's smoke, I mean, that is a problem, right? You hear that and you go, yeah. and at the same time, what you said is, so there could be a level of corruption in the Biden family that's pretty bad. But at the same time, what you said is it's not that easy for somebody to put in a fake email. You know, get kind of excited. This is my day. You know, well, I've got right. this huge. So just because a senator makes a ton of money does not mean that that was illicit gains. I mean, he can go give a speech on Wall Street. They'll pay him a quarter million dollars. No, you can't. No, huh? you can't. You can't do that. Not no, not during no, COVID, not but yeah, when he's no, elected. No, 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 you cannot. Actually, really? I, oh, actually, okay. I actually worked for a senator who was denounced, Dave Durenberger, Minnesota, for doing this. this. Is the same thing that Jim Wright did. They limited it, you, it back in the 1980s when you were a senator. You had an limited honorarium, but then they limited it to twenty five thousand dollars in the early 90s. And people and there were senators that were like my boss, Dave Durenberger, who were used to making two or three hundred thousand doing these speeches, and then right. had their had their entire income reduced from say 450,000 to 150,000 and didn't know what to do. So that's when Wright and my boss stapled their speeches together, called them a book and said, look, oh. you just buy my books. And they got in big trouble for it. Speaker Wright lost his speakership and Durenberger eventually lost his Senate seat hmm. over it. So no, you can't, you can make money like, uh, uh, Barack Obama did. And I think Bernie Sanders too has three houses because they did, they had national followings and they wrote books. And they made uh, $9 million. But right. we don't know how Joe Biden made his money. No. I, mm-hmm. No, it's so murky. Mm-hmm. And um, 
you know, the the whole thing about who do you vote for, I watched both town halls right. too. And and if you watch them, it was like an out of body experience. Right. I watched the Trump town hall first and he was debating um Savannah, Guthrie. Savannah Guthrie. Savannah Guthrie, now known as Karen. <laughs> he was <laughs> why is she known as Karen? What's the joke? Because she has the she has that demeanor, it's, right? It's it's Karen, a it's a Karen meme. meme. Karen and Chad are oh. are these sort of represent this personality type oh. online. So okay. this entitled, self centered, know it all, right? Yeah, you know, fifty something year old uh-huh. person. Can I speak to the manager? Yeah, of, <laughs> right. <laughs> no, and she. So he debated her. He was debating her, except she had all the questions, mm-hmm. right? And it was like, are are you kidding me? And she cut him off over and over and over and over again. It was just like, rah, 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 rah. what about this? What about that? What about, you know, what about wearing masks? What about this? What about that? And then you go over to the the other debate. <laughs> the old folks home. <laughs> where George Stephanopoulos is uh, so Mr. Vice President. Uh, we got this horrible horrible thing in the white house (laughs) and how are we going to purge this horrible thing from the white house i'd like a question from the audience please (laughs) hi um my name is alan alley and i have a question for the vice president all written out yeah right another one of another one of the and then they let biden talk for 15 minutes on every question. I mean, let me tell you about this. Uh, this is the way, this is what we do. This is how you, what was your name again? Jim, Jim. Yeah. This is how we do that, Jim. And I've been doing this for a long time. And it, and it was like, you got to be kidding me. The juxtaposition of those two town halls was incredible. Wow. And you know and what? I, what I, I understand. Well, I ran us out of, of time. <laughs> was Biden on drugs at the, at the, at during this thing or was he amped up? No, he was pretty cool. Pretty cool. Yeah. You know, you know what I've seen from the, the liberal side of this? Like the commentary on yeah. that? Can you believe how disrespectful Trump was during that oh, town yes. hall? <laughs> yes. Can you believe how he just would roll over and, and he was just fighting with the, uh, the debater all We're the gonna time? We're going to take a break and then come back. This is Ali and Pacero's podcast. This is Ali and Pacero. I just finished up doing my Joe Biden impersonation. Yeah. So, yeah <laughs> did you watch? Did you for. watch him? Uh, no, but um, I read a lot about him. But, yeah. But I, I'm, I, I, if you if you don't mind, I'd like to get back a little bit just because I think it's so important. I mean, this guy, the race is starting to tighten marginally. You know, it's yeah. it, it, not a lot, but it's down from nine, 10 points to 8.9% real clear politics. And we know that the battleground states are closer. The battleground polls are tightening too. They're, they're in the three or four level. Yeah. Right. But, but Biden still leads in all the battleground states, except I think Ohio uh, in the average. So, so it's a pretty good lead, but. But before people vote, and you, you know, none of us are voting for Joe Biden, but, but it's still the idea, like, what is the level of corruption and how would anybody figure it out before they, before they had the, the vote, especially since the media is so determined not to cover it. And, and so, and how does the president play it on Thursday? Because, you, you know, I still talk to a lot of Republicans. I talked to a couple of Republicans yesterday who are in the industry and I think know stuff. And they're just, they said, I guarantee Trump's going to have a big landslide. And I was like, okay, okay. So yeah, you're kind of in fantasy land in my mind. But, but 
tr- to me, the race has to be reset for, for let me let me finish before it has yeah. to be reset for Trump to win. Uh, just as COVID reset the race against him, you know, it needs something. And that big moment is Thursday night in that debate. As the race starts to tighten a little bit, you've got this big debate where it could be reset. And the issue to reset it is Hunter Biden, isn't it? And how would the president, how should the president play it? So it, it could be, I think I, I spent the week in Arizona mm-hmm. in the Phoenix area and you cannot possibly imagine mm-hmm. how different the tone of everything in Arizona but it's is a swing state. versus here. here. Okay, but it's still a swing state. No, but and McSally's still eight points behind. But the, the, the energy that you just everywhere right. Trump, 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 okay. Trump, Trump, Trump. We're driving around and all of a sudden there's this pickup that drives by Trump flags and Debbie goes, Oh, look at that. And it on the freeway, Trump flags, Trump flag. It was a parade that they okay. just sort of organized. So you're you're arguing about your no you're, no no, you're, but you're, uh, but but what I'm saying. Off. But what I'm saying is is that we are as far anti-Trump right. as you. You're immersed in it right up to here. Well, we only, but Oregon only Trump only lost Oregon by twelve points compared to California, which was that's, thirty. That's in what that's what I'm saying. I, I'm I'm there is an energy. In other places, and mm. and down ballot people right. in Arizona are proudly talking about mm. I'm a Republican, I'm for freedom, okay. I support Trump. I took too long to get to the question. Go I'm, ahead. Okay, I'll just I'll make the question simpler. Trump is behind. You think he's got a pretty good decent chance, but the Thursday debates crucial for him to pull off an upset win. And for how does he play the Hunter Biden issue in that debate? Oh, he's going to use it as a baseball bat. Okay, right, <laughs> right. And and all Joe can do is deny it. Mm-hmm. But there's enough veracity to it that that's where we went through. Is right. that Brisbane's absolutely true? Yeah. He did get fifty thousand dollars a month for something that he shouldn't have done. Right. And Joe did belly buck with the guys in uh, the Ukraine. Over, hey, I withheld, you know, aid until they rolled over and did this for us. Right. Right. Well, someone's getting paid. So that's all true. And then it's not that big of a leap to get into mayor, uh, mayor's wife giving three million. You know, the, the other stuff has some yeah. plausibility, plausibility because of the okay. stuff so that actually happened. He's got all these rich homes and we don't know how he made the money. Right. And okay. that's, so what, what, I mean, so what we're how, fighting how, over here is undecided voters. Like, I, I don't think that sort of thing, if you are a, Biden, all in on Biden. I don't think anything like that is going to make a difference because you have such a blinding hatred for Donald Trump. You would vote for Adolf Hitler if he was, if it meant getting Trump out of office. And on the Trump side, I mean, obviously they're going to play that up, but I don't think that's going to make a difference either. It's your undecided middle of the road voters. Do you think that makes a well, difference to them? It's going to be huge. No, but you, uh, yeah. you were an undecided voter yeah. until you heard for about first, court packing. That that was the deal breaker and for me. So yeah. there and, are, and, the but first, there and, is... and, and Trump's debate performance in the first debate stopped. Uh, I know a, num- a number of people were on the fence and then they said, I'm not going to vote for him. Because yeah. it was a performance in the debate. First debate. Interesting. And then I think if you watch the, the Savannah Guthrie uh, town hall, mm-hmm. The the media reported it as you know a complete washout. Mm-hmm. He was pretty good, and she was about as annoying. Yeah. And it, it you know the the DNC attack dog was cut loose as you could possibly imagine. 
but but these are the things that are going to flip. Yeah, and undecided. Right, and this is where I mean, if you look at the race just numerically. Now, you know, again, the disclaimer is that those Republicans who don't believe in the polls, who think they're inaccurate or they're off, and think uh, this is going to be a landslide for Trump. Yeah. Uh, that, as you're talking right, about, right, right. Yeah. Th- then they, then they don't need to listen to this. Right. But if you do, if you do think that there's some merit to the polls, what we see is that Trump was going into, to COVID. He was from night, from 2017 to 2000, to the winter of 2020, he was about three points behind, three or four points behind, a little bit more than he lost the popular vote in 2016. Not a lot, but a little bit more, maybe a couple points. And then COVID, Jumped that race from four to about eight points. I mean, he moved it, and 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 a lot of Republicans, if he loses, will feel that COVID took my president, and and so he has to move that race back from eight to four. And if and what has to happen is Biden has to rattle because that is what people that is the 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 thing that is the you know the the, the crazy uncle in the basement. Everything else is this guy mentally competent. Uh, is he honest? Is he capable of being president? And there's enough people worried about that, that if Trump can get to him and rattle him on Thursday night, this race could tighten dramatically. I don't know. I, and maybe this is, again, from a political insider you get, you, perspective. You don't agree with that premise or you don't think that it'll I, rattle? I don't think that Biden rattling is as big of a deal as you think it's going to be because then it just goes to Harris. And I think for, from a oh. Democratic perspective, <laughs> Harris is just as good as Biden. It gets Trump out of the out of the Oval Office. Oh, uh, I don't think. Yeah, you, don't you think, think there are people that are that are voting for Biden who would reject a Kamala Look, Harris presidency? No, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I you do. do? Yes. Oh do. no, I, don't I, I mean so. not a lot. But we're talking on the margins. Sure, we're not talking. We know that we know that Joe Biden can cannot get less than forty eight percent of the vote in this election. We just, I mean, that's just, yeah. that's a certainty. And that Donald Trump probably can't get more than 47% in the election, you know, 48. But, but so that's how, you know, t- the margins of those five or six points that are dancing around are huge. And I think, e- Alan, and we all feel this way. I think it's like if, if Donald Trump loses, you know, we hope that Joe Biden is somewhat honest and somewhat mentally competent. And yeah, but, but I, I can't. But I can't. I, I don't know that. We've just reached the end of the segment. What I want to do is come back and talk about COVID and Trump's COVID and how I think that's going to affect the way people Vote. think about this. Okay. This is Ali and Pacero's podcast. This is Ali and Pacero's podcast with James Ball running for House District 36 as a Republican, as a matter of fact. I want to talk about COVID. And this is the sense. So I got the sense up until a few weeks ago that people were kind of over the whole COVID thing. Moms are like, get my kids back to school. I'm beginning to feel like this isn't as bad as I thought it was. Um, I'm thinking the media has overplayed their hand and yeah. people are starting to see it that, okay, this, yeah. I want to get back to normal. I want to get back to normal. Right. But that's yep. not all you were going to say. So, and Sorry then, tr- then Trump gets COVID right. and it's like, uh oh, yep. maybe it's really super bad as my, as my grandson would say, super gecko bad that, that here's this 74 year old guy and he's got COVID and he's going to Walter Reed and he's going to die and he's not dead. He spent two and, weeks in the hospital and he's back out. And he's back out and he's <laughs> like, he's like really energetic and he was, wait, 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 wait. 
So if a big, overweight, 74-year-old guy gets COVID and he takes a little cocktail and he's out of the hospital, wait, wait, wait a minute. Maybe this isn't as bad. Maybe my kids could be back in school because they're not 74 and overweight. And maybe this, hey, hey, wait a minute. You're messing with me. And I, I get that feeling that that's what's kind of happening here, that his recovery, and it looks genuine when you, when you see him, it's like nothing happened, he's right? Be, he's better than ever. He's better than ever. And I, I'm yeah. wondering if that's kind of the subliminal thing that's going on because we want to get back, right? We want to get back going. And then you see Nancy Pelosi with Wolf Blitzer. I don't know if you saw yeah. that exchange, yeah. right? And it's like, you're not telling me the truth. Right. You're, the, the, you're um, this just. Is, this is on the stimulus. Yeah, this well, is on the stimulus. With all the people hurting, don't you understand? With all the people hurting, that you're you're arguing about, you know, uh, on the margins, and you're stopping this thing. Well, and I'll tell you, I did I did some work. I'll do some more work on this. What they're arguing about is bailing out the public employee well, retirement yep, funds, right. Mm-hmm. right? Right. And it's it's kind of like, oh my God, yeah. this is it, yep. because it's only like a half a trillion dollars, right? Right, <laughs> and 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 when else would you get a half a trillion dollars? This is why she's going to fight to the death to get this. This is the opening to bail out the public employee yeah. retirement funds in all the blue states. And she showed a personality that's, that's she's obviously too old to be in office with that with that personality at this point well, she became unhinged but if, when he was, when he was asking her reasonable questions. On the other side though, it, it, it's kind of like Ruth Bader Ginsburg. It's like, look, I want her to fight to the death for this. Right. And if she can pull off a half a trillion dollars for the public employee retirement funds, imagine if if they could say that twenty six billion dollar liability that we had, it's backed by the federal government now. We don't have to worry about it. Make the bad man the bad man has gone away, so, and everything's going to be fine. So I walk so I walk in the park in the morning and in the afternoon, and I noticed in the park that on the COVID that before the president got it, the mask wearing was down to about twenty or twenty five percent, and nobody was looking at people who didn't have masks with dirty looks. And then after the president got it, when you look today, the mask wearing is up to 80%. And those who, and granted, this is, a, you know, your district, yeah. you know, the most liberal district in the state, but they are giving lots of dirty looks to the people who aren't wearing masks in the park. So is that just the Democrats, how they're, how they're reacting to the president getting COVID? No, I think the president getting COVID was a shock to everyone, to everybody. right? Mm-hmm. The recovery is a shock as well. Okay. I'm in Arizona. Right. right. Okay. So you'd expect a bunch of cowboys running around without masks on, right. you know, hugging and kissing. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> no. They're wearing masks. Everybody was yeah. wearing a mask. Yeah. Interesting. And, and in all the stores, you wore masks. Mm-hmm. You got plastic bags when you went to the store, mm-hmm. which was just like, wow, what is this? What are you doing? Don't put it in that plastic bag. Do you, do you understand what you're doing? And, and they were very politely doing that. And, and you go to restaurants. And people would mask up as they it look. It was exactly like here, the airport wearing masks. This is just the the single use plastic thing 
blows my mind because I mean we are such a warpath to get rid of single-use plastics. We had banned straws, we had banned banned plastic bags, and then all of a sudden COVID hit. And what's the right. first thing we do? Well, hey, what's the most sanitary thing you can find? A single-use plastic. <laughs> so, <laughs> we just like undid all of that. We're right. plastic straws. Oh, but straws, it's going back plastic. now. Oh, it is going back. No, Debbie okay. and I were in the oh, we're, we're sitting there getting ready to go into the Safeway last night, and it's like. Do we take a bag in or don't we take a bag in? Have they reversed it? Yeah. Because it was bad. Now it's good. Now it's bad. So what do we do? And then if you take a bag in, then are you bag shamed for, ah, <gasps> how dare you bring that bag into here? It has, you, it, it has, might have COVID. It from has your COVID house. from your house, your car. So what's going on in your neighborhood with the mask? Uh, if you're out. So I, I went for a run yesterday, no mask mm-hmm. and are people giving you looks? No, no, not that I noticed. Okay. I mean, I got my headphones in. I had mm. the dog with me, and so I wasn't like yeah, people. I, was, I wasn't paying a lot of attention. Yeah. But it's, I'd say it's about fifty-fifty. If you're out in the open without a whole bunch of people around, yeah. um, people yeah. generally are are not mask wearing. And it, you know, if I get into a group of people, you know, I'll put the mask on. Mm. But if I'm out running by myself, um, so what's your number one reason for not voting for um, President Trump? I don't like the way he leads. Mm-hmm. You know, his policies are fine. If he was just, if it was policy minus the Twitter, you know, I would have voted for him. But, and I've said this a couple of times, but the, any organization takes on the attitude, the mentality of their leader, right. and whether that is the country or that is the Republican Party. And he is such a brash, unapologetic, divisive person he loves he loves divisiveness that is what the country has become and you can say oh well he's not he's not supporting white supremacists you know he denounces violence Mm -hmm. you know he says all the right things when pressed on those things right but but why are we talking about him right well the fact is that the country models its behavior after Mm -hmm. the leader and his leadership style is such a divisive angry style that so this came, th- this is a direct result of of Donald Trump's presidency, even if it's not directly related. Interesting, because this came up on uh, Senator uh, Ben Sass in Nebraska, who has been against Trump and then made made nice and now is against him again. Uh, <laughs> was 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 speaking to seventeen thousand constituents on a call, and somebody called in a Republican and said, "You know, I'm confused because you what is your attitude actually about President Trump? Because you've been for and against, and and that's when and then he went off." And said, you know, basically he's unfit for office and, and on and on and on. And that's, this made the front page of the New York Times and all of the other liberal things. I mean, you know, the Ben Sass coverage, you know, intense for a day. And, and so then I thought, well, this would be a good time for the president to let, you know, for those of us who are thinking and worried about his temperament, worried about the divisiveness, that has he evolved? Cause I have a lot of people tell me, well, he's really evolved in office. He's really, you know, he's really, you know, different than he was. And I said, well, this would be a good one then for him to just let it go. You know, he's only got three weeks to go in the campaign. You know, who's Ben Sass anyway? Oh. Just let it go. And about a day goes by and I think, oh, he's letting it go. He's letting it go. And then, and then you wake up and there's the tweets in the middle of the night. This is the Glenn. greatest puke. He's the, why he's the biggest loser, the worst senator, the biggest puke. And I'm like, you know, so, so 19 days before the election, we still want to fight with Republicans. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, okay, because this is exactly. The voter that he needs to narrow the race is the voter that's going to be turned off by, you know, him attacking a Republican in that way. Yeah. Uh, we reached the end of the segment. Uh, this is Ali and Pacero's podcast. We'll be right back. 
Today's podcast is brought to you by ProLift Garage Doors. ProLift is your one-stop shop for residential and small commercial garage doors from openers, springs, and rollers to full reinstalls. They offer same-day service on all garage door repairs with no extra charge for evenings or weekends. Serving the greater Portland metro area, call today and set up your free estimate at 503-558-6349 or at proliftdoors.com slash Portland. Again, that's 503-558-6349 or proliftdoors.com slash Portland. Welcome back to Allie and Pacero without James Ball now. So what do you, what do you think? I mean, do you mind if I... No, go ahead. What do you think when you hear that? About why, why he's not going to vote for President Trump. I understand it. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. You, you do understand it. I, I think the reason he's not going to vote is actually the reason why a lot of people vote for him. Mm-hmm. Because they want somebody to fight. He's a fighter. He's a fight. brawler. Right. Yeah. They want if- somebody to fight. They want somebody that's going to you know, stand up to a Nancy Pelosi and stand up to a Chuck Schumer mm-hmm. and, and say, no, we're not going to do that stuff and, and speak in very plain, straightforward terms that, yeah. you know, there was a, a discussion on my Facebook page about, um, liberals actually referring to themselves as elitists. Yeah. And it was very annoying to me that, that you, that you, you know, hit yourself with the magic wand and say, because I went to a university and because I got my BA and because I got this, that, that I am somehow an elitist, right? And the whole country suddenly become like that. I, I don't quite get when, I don't know when we cross that line where people decided because they went to like Michigan State University, they're now snobs. Well, I mean, they—that's what they're doing. Yeah, yeah. When did that happen? Well, and it's almost that I mean, that wasn't the way when we graduated. Well, college. and it's almost the, the the implication is is that I should vote and those people shouldn't, right? Because of deplorables. Because they're deplorables mm-hmm. and because they don't have an education, right? They don't know. The, James, you must be—you must have an education before you can even understand these kinds of mm-hmm. concepts, mm-hmm. and um. So I looked online and there was a term, maybe you know this term. I had never heard it before. Nomenclatura. Nomenclature? No, nomenclatura. Mm -hmm. And it's a term from uh, the Soviet Union. Mm -hmm. It was the ruling class, which benefited from the use, enjoyment, disposition, material goods and controlled everything. It's the bureaucracy Mm -hmm. that controls Everything kind of like if you were run by the public employee unions in a kind small of, state on the West Coast. Kind of. Yeah. When when the government gets so big that there's kind of the haves mm-hmm. that are under the government umbrella and the have-nots. And it, it just rang really true to me that this is what – that's really the distinction. Well, if we went into fantasy land for a second here and had a Republican governor in this state um, – do you think that if that one could, could a Republican governor make uh, in four years the reforms necessary to keep the state from going bankrupt on yes. PERS? Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. And do you think then uh, could they get if they did that? Could they get reelected? I think so. Yeah. I think you could have a Republican governor that that did things the way Dennis Richardson did. Do you think the media would treat them fairly enough that they would be able to um, get their message out? That'd be another. Problem. That's an, another that's, problem. I I think you have to go directly to the people. I don't mm-hmm. think you can rely on the media. I think mm-hmm. that's that's something that maybe that ship has sailed. Although in Oregon, there is a growing 
um, affirmation, understanding that we have some problems Mm -hmm. that have been created by 30 some years of single party rule. And I, I think the media is beginning to understand that public employee retirement system is number one. The, the schools, the performance of the schools is absolutely abysmal. And, and no, it seems like no matter what we do of increased funding, nothing gets better. Okay. So, so, you know, running the numbers, something that, that, that you like. Mm-hmm. Okay. So running the numbers from a political science, not political art, from a political science standpoint, what we see in Oregon, we've had three gubernatorial elections in a row, which is why it's kind of silly that we keep trying to recall Governor Brown or the Republican Party does because we've had... This will lose. Right. Well, it's also... (laughs) Even if we did. I think that's a feeling that they do this because that's how they raise money to keep the doors open to the Republican Party. But we've had a race in 2014, 16, and 18. And and we had all sorts of different candidates. We had Bud Pierce with like a million dollars and we had Newt Beeler with $19 million and we had Dennis Richardson. So we had three very different candidates and they all got 45% of the vote. I mean, they got the same three elections in a row right. in five years. They got the same vote, forty-five percent, and the and the and the Democrat mostly got like forty-nine point seven or something. Right, Didn't quite just get under fi- fifty, just under fifty. But the, but remarkably, the same vote. Three campaigns, five years, the same vote. Right now, when you run the numbers on a federal in the last twenty years of the U.S. Senate races and the five congressional races, the average is for the Democrat is fifty-seven versus uh for the republican right. is like 42 40 42 41 right. 43 maybe so what is can you say that there are there's a group of voters 7% uh who are democrats moderate democrats who have figured out that the unions run the state and are ruining it and that's why they won't vote for Democrats statewide, but they don't like the Republican brand nationally, so they turn around and say, "I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not hurting my state." Yeah, by- I think that I think that's true. Yeah, I think that's absolutely true. I think the other problem with, um, you know, and I've been up close and personal with this. If one of those Republicans had been elected, mm-hmm. what would be different now? Yeah, and they never made it clear. Right, and. Part of it is, is that you're trying to appeal to the moderate Democrats. You're trying to, and this is my, you know, my thing. You make Democrats feel good about not voting for you because you moderate your positions. And I I feel like what we need is, look, I'm going to be really straight with you. I'm going to tell you what needs to be done. And in the end, you might not like me, but you might need me because only a Republican because the gravitational forces of the public employee unions mm-hmm. can make some of these changes. Yeah. Now, if you're cowering in fear that they're going to roll back all the restrictions and we're going to wipe out all the salmon and we're going to, you know, not only not take out the dams, we're going to build more dams no. and we're going to, you know, refire up the Boardman coal-fired power plant, which is what the Democrats will tell you. Yeah. It's like, no, we're going to focus on these things, but we're going to do these things and create a clear distinction. Yeah. I don't think we've created a clear distinction in a long time. Yeah, and and, and it's also interesting, too, because if the president, you know, if he's reelected, great. If he's not, he's going to have left a legacy that's going to influence Oregon politics, which is something that, you know, people really haven't considered. But one, but, but I, but I, one of, but that legacy is going to be populism and working people in the Republican Party. I mean, in the future, the Democrats are going to have the college grads and the government people, and the Republicans are going to have the working people and the deplorables, 
and hopefully the business community to win. And, and then on top of that, if you look at the changing demographics of the state. So before we get to the demographics, why is the populism thing important? It's because Newt Bieler tried to run as a moderate. Bud Pierce tried to run as a moderate. Newt Bieler tried to run as a moderate for governor and then tried to run as a moderate for the second congressional district. Well, and less all, of a moderate, but yeah. But all of that moderate stuff isn't working. Well, you know, it, and I think because to be a moderate, mm-hmm. you're, you're, it's, it is the word. You are moderate on everything. Right. Right. It's like, where are you on right to life? Well, I'm moderate. Where are you on public employee unions and union? I'm kind of moderate. It's like, so what are you? So Sherry Helt, who's a restaurant owner in a bend, is, I guess we take a break and come back and talk about, you know, the last yeah, let's campaign a, of the moderate. Let's take a break and we'll come right back. This is Ali and Pacero's podcast. The Portland spirit is headed to the river. Hop on board today for great views of the Portland skyline and historic Milwaukee waterfront. See our local landmarks and bridges from a unique vantage point on the river. Grab a cocktail on our outer deck while enjoying some of our delicious local cuisine. Fun for the whole family with options including lunch, brunch, dinner, and the famous Heart of Portland cruise. Tickets can be purchased at portlandspirit.com. Welcome back to Allie and Pacero's podcast. This is Alan Allie and Jim Pacero. We're going to talk about Sherry Helt in Bend. Because, uh, again, being advised by the same people that Dan Levy and, and the, and the Gallatin group, the same people that have been the, you know, the, the brains behind New Beeler, um, she, um, has come out and said this summer on, on a number of occasions, the president's unfit for office as a Republican. And she's got a van that she's driving around. Now, she's a successful restaurant owner in Bend and an interesting person. And our PAC gave her money in 2018, but she's come out and said the president's unfit for office. And she's got a van that's, that says on one side moderate, on the other side independent. Now in the primary, she only got 5,400 votes in a house race and the Democratic challenger got 10,000 votes. The district itself is minus 12 points. Um, so it's plus 12D. It's trending, you know, it's been trending Democratic. Even though Republicans have held it, Jason Conger had the seat, he ran for right. U.S. Senate, gave it up. New Bueller had the seat, he ran for governor, and gave it up. The Republic, and then Sherry won it. The Republicans have had the seat for a decade. But, and so there's an argument that some make that the, the non-affiliated are, you know, not liberal in the district and they tend to vote for a moderate Republican. Um, but that's, that's pretty interesting right now. The, the, I mean, this is sort of the last test of that because it, you know, she didn't turn out votes in the primary and there was a congress, a contested congressional race in that primary. So there was a reason for Republicans to vote. And now she's come out against the president. There are polls that show that she's neck and neck, you know, but these are sometimes are, you know, we get right. a lot of fundraising polls. So we're never, right. you know, we're never quite sure how good the polls are. What do you, I mean, is it possible for her to win based on those things? So I don't, uh, the short answer is I don't know, yeah. but I, I think representative seats are different than statewide executive mm-hmm. offices. Mm-hmm. Representative seats, I want somebody to go and vote. Right. For me, right? It's, they're my proxy to vote. And she didn't take part in the walkout of the timber unit where every other house member did. Oh, okay. Yeah. So reinforcing her moderate image. Right. So, so is it the none of the above sort Mm -hmm. of category that nobody in Bend is, is that 
passionate. I, I don't want to be Portland, mm-hmm. right? I don't want to be Burns. Right. So do I, do I just want to be, I just want somebody nice to go and kind of represent yep. me and take votes. It, it, because when you, when you elect a state representative, most state representatives aren't elected with a clear okay. policy agenda. So you can see. So in the poll that we looked at that, that told us that Cliff Bentz was going to beat Newt Bueller, one of the questions was, one, Newt's negatives were very high. They were almost 50%. And the other thing was, and, and those negatives were associated, we think, with him being anti-Trump, mm-hmm. because the other thing was that 96% of Republicans that were in voting in that primary adored <laughs> Donald Trump. Yeah, you've got to say that again. So okay. what was the, what was the percentage of Republicans that had a positive view of Donald Trump? It was Trump? positive or or her- terrifically in love right. with him, right. something like that. 96, 95, 96, 97 percent. Yeah. I've never seen a number that high, yeah. ever. Yeah. So, if that number, she's in the second congressional district. If that number's true, and she's come out and said the president's unfit for office, does do people say what you say? Hey, I know Sherry. It's a state rep race. I'm not voting for her for Congress. Um, as she's a good businesswoman. She'd be good in the government. Should keep an eye on PERS. I'm willing to look past that statement, even though so, I adore Donald so Trump. So the key here, that, and we should all look at this yeah. very carefully, is what's the undervote? Mm-hmm. Meaning, if Trump gets 30,000 votes in that district, mm-hmm. does she get 20,000 votes? Right. Right? Right. Is there an undervote? Mm-hmm. Um, and or, or is there an overvote? Yeah. Right? Does she outperform Trump? The way Bueller did, right. I think. Um that would be another interesting one to look at. Do you know? Did Newt outperform Trump uh, in in the in his in sixteen in in the in the Guna, in the House race? Yeah, I think he did. Yeah, in that district. Yeah, uh, the um, because I'm thinking that Ben Sass, who was probably going to win that race seventy thirty, might only win at sixty forty now because he's because he came out in such a demonstrative way. I guess he went on for like. You know, forty minutes on this call or something. Yeah, basically saying how horrible the president was. Well, you've got on a, on I, a call with Republican voters. I mean, I, again, I, it was in Arizona this week, and you've got to. People don't understand how disenfranchised um, people felt during Obama's term in office. His right? arrogance. The, yeah, and the, I'm 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 a, a working person. I'm a small business person. Mm-hmm. Um, history of Democrats in my family, right? But now I'm doing construction right. or I'm, you know, something like this. And in, in Arizona, there's a lot of, and there's a lot of construction based on wealth creation in other states that's yeah. moving to Arizona, yeah. right? Right. So I'm, I'm doing construction and I'm not so sure that I think those people with all this money that's bringing it to Arizona yeah. are such bad people. Right. Right. I'm, I'm doing some really interesting work. So, but I felt terrible and Democrats make me feel terrible. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm not educated. Yeah. Right. I, I didn't go to Harvard. I didn't go to Michigan State University. Right. Yeah. And somehow I have been relegated to a second class. And now there's this guy, Donald Trump. That's standing up for the most unlikely guy you can imagine standing up for me, standing up take, for religious conservatives, and taking on the Democrats and saying yeah. you're terrible people. Yeah, right. 
in no uncertain terms, yeah. saying it in words and terms that I would like to say, mm-hmm. but but the the elitists, the nomenclatura, have have sort of patted me on the head, say, Jimmy, sit back down. Yeah, you know, go back, go back to your uh, mm-hmm. your corner. And they're there. so on fire about it. I mean, they you know they it's their it's become their job twenty four seven to do that. Well, they've they haven't had anybody for so long. You think about who runs for president. No, I mean the the elite is so well yeah, and yeah, fl- on fire to, f- to fight him. And think about the flip side of it. Yeah. The the you know Mitt Romney. No, they don't relate to Mitt Romney. Right. I relate to Mitt Romney. Right. He's the CEO that I wish I could work for. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, it, John McCain. Mm-hmm. Well. War hero, right. kind of, yeah, celebrity. okay, celebrity, good guy, right, right. Yep. George Bush um, was the was the one when he stood up in front of everybody and said at a graduation ceremony, "I got some good news for the C students out there. Yep. You too can be president of the United States," <laughs> right? And that was like, yeah, yeah, that's me. I'm that guy. That's true. <laughs> right? That's really true. And yeah. the, and for so long they have been disenfranchised. That, and the comments that Hillary made and Obama made uh over the years just further disenfranchised them. So um they're fired up. And it was it was remarkable to see it when we were down there. That's uh we've got to take a break. We'll come right back. Maybe we'll talk about some local stuff. Mm-hmm. Talk about Ted Wheeler and, and the race mm-hmm. there that is also apparently tightening up. This is Ali and Pacero's podcast. Welcome back to Ali and Pacero's podcast. We want to turn to some local issues and, and uh, ballot measures maybe and talk about Ted Wheeler's reelection chances. Uh, it feels like the race is closing. and that Why? Well, there was a poll that said it's closing. Was there? I mean, so there was the eleven-point poll. <clears throat> there was everybody. one since then. Okay, and yeah, then it was within the statistical mm-hmm. uh, variance. The other thing is, um, I've started to get friends that are panicking, mm-hmm. and they're reaching out and going, "Alan, we just got educated on this Sarah Ianarone person, and that's terrifying." It's terrifying to think that it could be worse than what you, it is. Aren't you and I a little conflicted about this? I mean, we've been trying to tell people in Portland, business leaders and tech people and other people for 20, 15 years that things were liberal and out of hand. And now things are liberal and out of hand. So are we supposed to – well, Am I supposed to pick up my ballot and vote for Ted Wheeler to help to help them – dig out of this well and i think this is and will that help them dig out of it he hasn't shown any but these are people and you're in you fit this category jim you live in portland right barely you're you're completely beholden to um you know the the rules and the laws and the Mm -hmm. the things that portland does um You've seen your city. I just paid my city water bill in front. Yeah, your your (laughs) multi hundred thousand city water bill. Um, and they're in exactly the same boat. Mm. Uh, they don't. The the whole handling of the protests has been horrendous as far as they're concerned. But they say that, and then they go, but but. I, I do support the protests. I want Alan. We see that's the part where, where no, I, but they do. But that, that, that's the part where I say, go ahead and let them have Sarah. Then 
Well, that's yeah. that's the thing. Is You're the, something. yeah, <laughs> it's like let it burn, baby. Yeah, exactly. Oh, oh, you you want protest? You wanted this? Oh, that's fine. You yeah, let's do that. You didn't check the hypocrisy in your own thinking. Well, another observation is, and being away for a week and then coming back, mm-hmm. driving from the airport back home, the homeless is horrifying. It, it, it's beyond imagination. People, people, it is. People made me drive down from Marine Boulevard down 33rd to Killingsworth, past Riverside Country Club. There's a wall of homeless campers yes. and people uh, uh, right at Riverside Country Club that runs for half a mile. You know, So enjoy your country club, you know, <laughs> because right outside the hedge, if you hit, you don't go looking for your last ball. Well, okay, so here's the other observation. We're in Arizona. Mm-hmm. We, we, you didn't we see any didn't homeless. see any homeless encampments right. we saw two people standing on corners yeah. that were asking for money um and we we started asking people so where are the homeless people and the flip response was well we sent them all to san francisco so, so george soros and mark zuckerberg are paying for a ballot measure 110 to legalize all drugs hard drugs in oregon to establish more homeless camps um to establish more homeless camp, camp or care centers, or well, yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm, okay, I'm okay. being a little sarcastic, yeah, but okay. if we legalize hard drugs, I mean, the direction we're going, I see what you mean. Yes. yes. So, where's the outrage on that? There doesn't seem to be one, and that's probably. I mean, there were 48 statements in the voters' pamphlet for it, 20 against it. We helped orchestrate and pay for some of the 20 against it at uh, at our company but I mean, where is that going, going to be well and the thing I, i've talked to a former multnomah county sheriff about this and mm-hmm. and he said that there always has been uh, a drug rehabilitation program and he had a name right. for it i forgot what it's called right but it only worked because there was the threat of you're going to do hard time mm-hmm. right right the trigger and and it's like either you do hard time or we have this program for you. Yeah. So you eliminate the do the hard time. Right. And there's no incentive to do the program. That His words, not mine. I'm not an expert well, in Well, and this. if you look at Washington County, which has a program like that, they don't have these tents, these opiate tent cities the way that Multnomah County does now. And, that, and they're massive. They're everywhere. If you drive on Powell from uh, 50th to 57th uh, Powell Boulevard, it's just wall to wall homeless people. Yeah. I mean, and, and where, and, and, and we're supposed to vote for the mayor? Well, coming in from the airport, what's Jim. The, what's the reason for voting for the mayor? On, uh, what is that? Uh, 205, mm-hmm. 405. Yeah. Coming in. Yeah. Uh, this is your welcome to Portland. Yeah. Hurra- uh, yeah. There's, there's no way anybody in their right mind would see that and go, oh, this is a well-run, functioning right. city, yeah. right? Put on top of that, that we've been, everybody that I talked to, and they'd say, hey, where are you from? Yeah. Oh, Portland. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Right? Everybody yeah. had the same reaction. Yeah. And we've done this to ourselves. We've created this. So to your point, does the mayor deserve to be reelected? Based on all the data that you've got, no. Yeah. What people are afraid of is that the alternative is even worse. When Sarah Ayanarone says, I am Antifa. But that's the only way people change their voting patterns is to suffer. Is to let it. Yeah, is to suffer. Let it go. Right. And 
maybe that's maybe you know, that's it. I mean, you keep talking about we have to get you know thirty percent in Multnomah County to win statewide. Well, you know, if 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 Multnomah County becomes, um, you know, a sort of a symbol for government failure, and you know, liberal intolerance and intolerance. Well, I don't think it's sort of a symbol. The symbol. It, it's like the international symbol. Yeah. I mean, it, it currently is the international right. symbol of government failure. Yeah, I, I think that um, it'll. It's interesting, like you said, the race is tightening. Um, she seems the favorite because, even though it's crazy, because the energy, I guess, would be with her. But maybe there are enough people that would go, "Well, I, re- I have to, I have to." I think what happened, you know, sort of like the COVID thing with Trump is. People are like, I am not voting for Ted Wheeler. Right. I am done, right? right. The, he needs to be sent a message. Right. The city needs to be sent a message. Anything is better right. than this. And then they looked at her. Right. And they were like, oh, my God. That's- it's actually it's actually worse. Yeah, and then he opens his mouth and says, I want to denounce violence one more time. And and, and it's all just rhetoric out of his mouth. It, it, it's Isn't it? Yes, and... The problem that I've that I've said and I've and wrote a letter about this is, look, right now Mayor Wheeler is pissing off the Republicans and the Democrats, right? And and everybody is against him, right? Right. So it's like, look, you're not going to get one side or the other. Mm-hmm. It, Sarah has absolutely sided with Antifa, right? And and it's like okay, at least we know where she stands. Well, she's done more than that. I mean, it's a little deeper than that. I mean, she wants like basic income and economic redistribution. I mean, she's yes. she's siding she's siding with the uh, you know the Bernie Sanders crowd. This is get, yes. you're getting Bernie Sanders as mayor. Yes, you know, and 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 those of and those who own property in Multnomah County can expect to pay and pay and pay if she's elected. Yes, and she's said that she said. Mm. You know, those rich people, they can afford to pay a little bit more. They can afford to pay $1,000 a month for uh, for mm. people here. We've got one more segment, I no, think. No, we're done. Are we done? We're done. Oh. Do you want to do one more segment? Yeah, let's do another okay, segment. Okay, we'll do another okay, segment. Okay, we'll do another segment. That's what we get to do with podcasts. This is Allie and Pacero. Welcome back to the last segment. Allie and Pacero, we're, this is the bonus segment. The bonus segment. The bonus segment. Um, we were talking about Portland. I, I had this kind of out-of-body experience to be in Arizona for a week and, and see the difference. And there's there's people that are that are running. Who's McSally running against? What's uh, his name? Uh, his name is Kelly. Kelly, and yeah. he's married to Gabby, Gabby Giffords. Giffords. Yeah, Mark, right. Mark Kelly, astronaut. Right. And Democrats in Arizona are not like Democrats right. in Oregon. Yeah. Right? A friend of mine always said that. He said, I'm a, he said, I'm a Democrat in Oregon. I'm, I'm I'm a Democrat in Arizona and a Republican in Oregon. Yeah, and that's all I get. And 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 the only thing that happens is I fly from one to the other. No, you're quite, you're pretty far right. Yeah, it, you know that that the Democrats are still about economic development and growth, and right. it, and they they don't go after the the sort of edgy, fringy, Portlandia kind of thing that that Democrats here do. I had a friend from New York that said, Alan. Your Democrats and our Democrats, because he's a Democrat mm-hmm. from New York. In New York, we understand that you need the private sector, that you need 
economic growth that you need these things and you have to you have to also take that into consideration when you're making your decisions um you don't seem to do that well there there's some economic reasons you know follow the money i mean one of the things that happened in oregon and you know this better than i do but you know oregon was in 1990, it was the, the state's leading industry was timber. It was 12% yeah. of the economy and tech was 1%. And then Intel brought their R&D here and all the work the governor Atia did and, and some gold, Neil Goldsmith did in bringing, in bringing tech companies here. And so by 2005, 2010, Oregon was 24% technology and 2% timber and the spotted owl had something to do with that. So. You know, I, I, I ran or looked at the numbers and I think that, you know, California was like the leading tech state in volume, but it was only 11% of its, of its state GDP versus 24% here. And granted, about, about half of that is Intel, but the other half is all the stuff that's grown up around Intel. But you think about it. So, so somewhat of a gold rush for Oregon. In, in, in the technology moving here and dominating the state. And what you're doing when you're creating a tech product, and you've done this and I haven't, is you you have a world market. Mm-hmm. You're creating a product with, with a world market. And if it works, the margins are high and you sell it around the world and you have, you know, you, you somewhat, your salary is high. I think the average salary of a tech worker is like 110,000 or something. Yeah. And then you kind of get disconnected with the tax base. You also get disconnected from small business people that basically if you own the, the, uh, the, the gas station on the corner here, you're not selling to the world. You're selling to the, you know, the people in your neighborhood. You know, most people, if you're selling insurance, you're selling to the people in your neighborhood. Most people, like in, in the state like Arizona, they're, you know, they're selling, they're, they having money move in to build things, but they're still, they're creating products, a lot of them that are local products. And that, and that keeps you much closer to the economy and how it works. Where here yeah. we have tech people selling to the world that creates a, a record revenue base then which has happened in the last few years and until recently. And then they pay for a lot of government and they're able to sort of. Well, they, they're, they're government. They're really government agnostic. Yes. Right? Yeah. And if you think about it, tech is not very regulated. Right. It isn't like when you buy one of these computers that there's a tax on the memory mm-hmm. or or if you get over a certain processor yeah. power that there's a tax. So there's a massive tax mm-hmm. on internet bandwidth. Yeah. And in the timber industry, all of those things, there's, there's taxes and fees yeah. and regulations. Yeah. It isn't like I have to take my laptop in and get it certified right. by the government, right. or there's only certain software that I yeah. can load on my computer, yeah. right? Yeah. In other industries, that's exactly the way it works. I've tried to explain mm-hmm. this to tech people, and they're like, Alan, that's ridiculous. Yeah. It's like, no, it's not ridiculous, yeah. right? The, the whole the software development process, when the timber industry is regulated about how the trees are replanted, even on private yeah. land, okay? Everybody thinks that's good. What if I told you that as you use software, when you go to put new software on, that it has to have a certification stamp mm. from the government right. and, and that there's a whole bureaucracy yeah. that does that. Yeah. And they go, oh, that's ridiculous. Right. It's like, no, that's that's what other all these other go, industries go deal with, right. right? So when you're basically not regulated, other than you're basically the not government regulated agnostic, at all. and then you turn around and look at the and look at the Republican national brand, which is somewhat southern driven, and you go, ooh, I don't like that. Yeah, and and you don't 
and you're you are very international, right? right? right. So, and internationally, the entire world is left of the United States. Yeah. The, the the whole world, except maybe China's right of the United yeah. States, but the whole world is left of the United right. States. So you're in France right. doing business, right? And, oh, my. <laughs> you come from deplorable you've land. Come from the, oh, what, what are you doing over there? I, I thought England was crazy, yeah. right? Right. So you get this completely. You're absolutely right. Now, the flip side of this is, if you can imagine this, we had an idea. That's all it was, was an idea. Mm-hmm. One of our engineers invented something. We instantiated it in a chip. We sold those chips almost 100% in Asia. Yeah. And all this money came back right. to the United States. Right. And then we got to reallocate that money to more research and development, yeah. to paying bonuses, yeah. to whatever. And then we went public on an American exchange, mm-hmm. right? Only because America had the infrastructure to do that. Yeah. Creating generational wealth yeah. for a hundred people yeah. here in Oregon, yeah. right? right? From an idea. Mm-hmm. Well, that's miraculous. Right. And it only happens largely in the United States. Mm-hmm. It doesn't happen in England as right. much, France, doesn't happen in Germany, doesn't happen in yeah. South America. It only happens here. And a lot of the reason it happens here is the capitalist system that we've created of venture capital, investment, right. the, the access to public markets. The Democrats nationally seem to be wanting to throw the baby out with the bathwater. Well, and yes, but you know, in terms of the Oregon economy, and I mean that's a that's that that's true, and that's and that's a big issue for this election. But in, but it, but a, but sort of underneath that, in terms of the Oregon economy and why people in Oregon don't understand business in a way that other people do, is uh, and I looked into this seven or eight years ago, and I think it's probably still true. But it, your lobbying group, the tech group, is like the American Electronics Association or something like that. It's changed, but yes, there's but, a group like that. Yeah, and and it turned out that they only had chapters in 18 states because the tech people only wanted to live in the cool places in the country, you know, and those and those are usually on the coast. And therefore, that kind of economy that you're speaking about, right. that idea, you know, because of technology and where we are in innovation – those places that were able to create that government agnostic land happened to be in those places that the tech people wanted to locate. It's changing somewhat, but one of the points but that I've made – But what I say is essentially is, right. Is right? ideas have feet, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. It isn't rooted in natural resources right. that you're blessed to have. Right. So an idea can go anywhere it wants. Yeah. It can move to New York. It can move to Utah. Right. It can move to Oregon. and And that's – Exactly it, and and those nice places to live were able to attract people, and they're able to make if they have that idea and create the general wealth, generational wealth. They're able to say to themselves, "Well, I'm not really interested in the local stuff. Do you even have a legislature? I'm making plenty of money, and if things get too bad, I'll just buy a place at Jackson Hole, Wyoming." Yeah, yeah. and I think that what's happened in Portland. The decay of Portland, the miasma mm-hmm. of yuck that yeah. has settled over Portland. They is, missed it. Is probably the thing. Now, that they're mostly, up. they're mostly in denial. Yeah. Right. Well, it's not that bad. You hear it all the time. Oh, it's not that bad. It's only three square blocks. It's it only is, this. Yeah. It's only that. It is that bad. Right. And it the, is. And the state finances are that bad too. It is that bad. Yeah. This has been a great, uh, Sunday morning to spend with you, Jim. Well, Thank thanks. you so much. Yeah. And James, who's we'll, now not here. And we'll get back 
together after the Thursday night debate. And see we if, will. And see if oh, Donald, yeah. See if Donald, Donald Trump changes the structure of the race. Be awesome. And we'll improve our uh, our video feed for our friends out there on Facebook. This is Ali and Pacero's podcast. Thanks for listening. This has been Ali and Pacero with your hosts, Alan Ali and Jim Pacero. The podcast is produced by James Ball. Be sure to follow us on Facebook. And if you'd like to contact the show, you can send an email to alan at alanalley.com.